0: Join us each week as high producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, Here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV.
1: Welcome, welcome. Uh, My name is Michael Hellickson, and as you can tell, I'm coming to you from a hotel room uh, somewhere in Wilmington, North Carolina. I see water over here, and I know I'm in Wilmington. That's about all I can tell you. Uh, So that said, my name is Michael Hellickson. I'm one of the coaches here at Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. And with me today are two of our other coaches who are also baller agents. Uh, my co-host, of course, Mr. Brian Curtis. And I say Mr. It's Mr. Coach Brian Curtis. Uh, and uh, Brian is in Bentonville, Arkansas. And if you don't know where that's at, you may have to look it up on Google like I did. Uh, but I will tell you this, it is in the middle of nowhere. But somehow, way. Brian finds a way to sell 330 homes a year in this town in the middle of nowhere and, uh, and does it with style. So, Brian, thank you for being our co-host today. Love having you on. And then we have Mr. Brandon. Everybody in my state is freezing their butt off Landro, uh, who is also a coach for Club Wealth. Uh, he's in the beautiful, cheesy state of Wisconsin, uh, where I believe everything is pretty much white there today. Is that not true?
0: the snow all went south of us i'm looking out the window at some snow piles and pavement are you serious uh but i bet it's cold can't do anything it's 26 28 degrees this has been a very mild winter
1: that 26 is mild. That's great. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Don't even zip the code up at 26. Oh my gosh. Well, Brandon, for those of you don't, that don't know, is also a club wealth coach and uh, Brandon is a baller. So does very well in his brokerage does really well on his team uh, about 500 units this year. Is that right? Am I getting that number wrong? Right. somewhere yeah, in that we,
0: number? Now we finished 2018, about 470.
1: Oh my gosh, that's weak. Four hundred seventy. Way to be an underachiever, Brandon. That's awesome, man. Four hundred seventy units. How many people on this planet will ever close four hundred seventy units in a year? Well, what's really cool about Brandon, it, besides well, there's so many things I could just the list goes on and on and on. I could tell you, you know, all all kinds of things about him that would impress you and that would excite you and get you wanting to learn from him. But let me start with this. Brandon uh, has got not only his brokerage, not only his local team, but he's also now in expansion markets and he's doing well with it. And that's difficult to do. And it's very rare that you find people that do well with their expansion program. It's hard to do. Most people fail at it for years before they finally get it right. Brandon got it right from day one and has been doing well with it. (laughs) He got it right-er. How's that? got it right enough. (laughs) Yeah. so, you know, so Brandon, first of all, tell us about kind of your journey. Start with, you know, your, you know, you starting by talk to us about your journey through Club Wealth, because when you first came to Club Wealth, you really were primarily a broker. Now you're a broker and you've got your team and then you've also transitioned now into expansion. So walk us through that progression.
0: Yeah, I, I started coaching with Club Wealth and with Michael directly, um, I want to say September of 2016. So a little over two years ago. And I wasn't primarily, I was exclusively a broker owner. I started our brokerage. I got into real estate when I was 20 years old. Um, and t- it was what I was going to do until I figured out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So we'll, we'll see if I ever figure it out. <laughs> but after two years, I didn't like the independent broker that I was working for. And I was thinking about my options. And in Wisconsin, at the time, you could go out and you could get your broker's license pretty early. So I went out and got mine. And um Very short time after my second anniversary with my company, I walked into my broker's office and said, this isn't working out for me, and they wished me well, and little did they know, I was driving across town to go to the MLS and sign paperwork, and so at 22, going on 23 years old, we started our own independent brokerage, and um, that was in 2006. So now I've been doing that for years and years, I went through one coaching company, um, and nothing against them i had some growth with that company but i felt like i definitely plateaued after a little more than a year and took a few months off and realized i i got a tremendous amount out of coaching again nothing against the other company they got me where i was i was happy with that but i needed to grow and i needed more so i started looking around online and found uh, michael Hellickson and his offer to do 55 minute strategy session and i think that turned into about 2 hours with me and uh I realized how messed up my business had been for so long (laughs) and how much opportunity I really had in front of me. So I started coaching with Michael and after he immediately told me, uh, you know, the the brokerage is fantastic. You're doing some excellent production on your own. My wife and I worked together at the time. We were doing over 100 transactions a year just for the two of us, Um, but we were working as much as you would imagine it takes to do that and run a brokerage. And it wasn't what we wanted to do for the rest of our lives. So Michael encouraged me to start a team and we talk every other week or a couple of times a month for eight or nine months. And I finally said, you know what, maybe I should start a team. (laughs) So I did finally uh, listen to coach Michael and uh, with my wife's blessing, we started the Jennifer Landra real estate team. So she is kind of the, the point person on it. And I'm the systems guy in the background doing the training, doing the systems, uh, organizing lead routing, organizing lead acquisition, things like that. And uh, 14, 15 months after starting that team, we had about 16 or 17 agents on the team. We were easily pacing to do over 300 deals for the the group. And um, it didn't take too long before one of our agents uh, said that they were leaving. And I I was crushed because I really liked her. And she said, well, I love you, but I I need to move to Milwaukee. And I said, well, that's terrible, but that's 100 miles away. I'm different MLS, nothing I can do. And then I had my weekly or biweekly call with Michael, and he said, you sound down. I said, yeah, I'm a little down because I'm losing one of my my really promising young agents, really have a lot of hope for. But he said, how could you ever lose an agent without talking to me first? Well, it doesn't matter. There's no reason to talk to you. She's moving 100 miles away. She's moving to Milwaukee. I told him she's moving to Milwaukee. He said, Well, how far is that? 100 miles. He said, That's nothing. That's in your market. I'm like, No, it's not. <laughs> well, we called her, we talked to her, we reorganized. And now in my email inbox, I've got the lease paperwork so that we can actually open brick and mortar in Milwaukee. So he is excited about that. And so are the other agents that we have working with us in Milwaukee. So it's a great team. They've already put six deals under contract this year, which I mean, it's the 15th of January. Our internet just unfroze like three days ago. So it's not too bad.
1: (laughs) And by unfroze, you don't mean like electronically. You just mean it was so cold. The internet froze. (laughs) That's Wisconsin. (laughs) So well, you know you, the, you 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 skipped over the best part of that story the, the, we, we, we were or uh, well, not the best part but one of my favorite parts I remember that phone call when you when you had said you know oh well that's not our market and I'm like what are you talking about like you got to do this And, and you're like, well, I just, I don't know. She's already, she's already canceled her license and she's moved on. And I said, well, does she like you? Yeah. Well, do you like her? Yeah. Well, okay. Get her on the phone. Like right now. And so Brandon's like, what? Okay. So He literally gets her on the phone right then and there. And I call, and and I'm talking to her with Brent. And so we get a three-way call and I'm like, Hey, do you enjoy being on the team? Yeah. I really loved it. It was hard to move, blah, blah, blah. And, and you've already moved to a new company, right? Yeah. Yeah. I already moved this new company. I said, Listen, wouldn't it be great if you could have all the tools, technology, systems, and support that you had in Appleton? Wouldn't it be great if you could have that in Milwaukee with Brandon? Well, yeah, I'd love that, blah, 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 fantastic and she committed right there on the phone she's like okay i'm doing it let's go and all of a sudden brandon's got an expansion team and uh and you're killing it there six transactions already this year and by the way as the as of the recording of this video uh it's the 15th of the month and so you know 15 it's six transactions in the first 15 days of the year fantastic and that's an expansion team right
0: that's with five agents in that market right now so now that we have our our lease in place we're gonna get a little bit more serious about recruiting down there. We made a plan, a schedule for me to be there every week. Um, And that's, it's part of the commitment that you have to make if you're gonna expand. And I know that we have other coaches in Club Wealth to do expansion on even even a bigger scale geographically and they're in different states. So being in one place or another week to week is not possible, Uh, it's not realistic anyway. But for me, being 100 miles away, being less than a two-hour drive away, there's no reason that I can't be there every week and giving as much support to those people every week as as I give and have been with our Appleton agents and how I got them off the ground as fast as, you know we kind of have a history and a track record of doing so. Brian, so well, go ahead, Brian.
2: So Brandon, and I think you hit on something that's very important. As someone who's uh, done expansion, failed at expansion, succeeded at expansion, <laughs> just, just all the all the iterations throughout the whole the whole thing. If I could go back in time, you know, I would move myself, have a different location, and then have an expansion team an hour, two hours, three hours away. I'm I'm a little jealous in my market. Realistically, the closest expansion market that I could have that would be reasonable is probably four or five hours away. Um, that being said, I think a lot of people want to go and just do this. You know, hey, we need to go over here. We need to go over here. You know, oh, I know somebody in, in Houston, so I should start an expansion team there. It's so much easier when it's hyper, you know, when it's, ex- when it's an extreme extension of your local market. Because again, if you have a crisis there right now, you can hang up this fo- phone call and be there in two hours. Whereas okay. if you're sick a plane right away, it, it not only can't you do that, but you also won't. And I don't know how else to say that, but the reality is, If you're looking at expansion, if you're watching this webinar you're like, yeah, I want to expand, it's great because Brandon had so much success and I want to follow his model, by the way, do it. But the first thing you want to look at is... Can I do it without changing states? Because that's one of the biggest things that people have to deal with. You know, people call me sometimes and they're like talking to me about a contract in another state. I don't know. I've never, you know, I've never studied there. And even though I've studied that contract, I'm still not nearly as proficient on it as the state that I'm in. And I just want everyone to know the best place to start expansion is in your same state, because all the rules still apply, and there's no, you know, you'll have some board differences, but at the end of the day, you understand the contract and you understand the process from A to Z. And I think that that's really important. And uh, congratulations on having that opportunity.
1: You know, I think also not only all, for all the reasons you just mentioned, Brian, I a hundred percent agree. you you know, it makes it a lot easier if you can drive there versus having to get on a plane there. It's funny. I was, I was listening to uh, Dolph the back in the day. I don't know if you guys remember Dolph the He was a big investor guru guy. And I was listening to an event he was doing one day and he says, uh, you know, you never buy an investment property anywhere you can't drive to for the same reason, right? And so the other thing that came to my mind as you were talking about that, uh, Brandon, you know, do you really, do you have an official team leader there now uh, or are you really kind of acting as the team leader in that, in in that area right now? I think there, it's a, it's a bit of a hybrid. So kind of like a squad leader
0: and and you're being, I I think that's more of an accurate depiction Mm -hmm. for the people that are more familiar with kind of the, the terms that we use with club wealth, a squad leader being somebody like in Appleton, in my current office, I have A couple squad leaders just because the number of people it wasn't fair for me to say well come to me with everything any questions that you have any problems that you have because as I get more and more watered down I just wasn't available as quickly as I needed to be so Marion that the original agent who persuaded me to move in that direction has taken on that role. She's meeting with them, going over scripting. She's going over their CRM, practicing with them. I'm doing Zoom video conferences with them to make myself, you know, it's more real. That's the reason that we do this instead of just an audio call. It's more real when you can look at somebody and see who they are and see their expression, their tone, their inflection, you know, when they're looking at their phone and not listening to you. So uh, we've, we've done as much as we can, but Marion has is, is really stepped up into kind of that squad leader role for me where she's on the ground all the time. One of the hardest working 21 year old I've ever met. It's
1: pretty cool. Well, but to your point, okay. So you've got essentially a squad leader level squad leader level person in that market, but what makes that possible? Cause Brian and I, and Shri and I, we, our, and Shri, Brian and I, we've been having this conversation about, you know, the importance of having good leadership in the markets we go in and, and what a difference that makes. And You're able to get away with instead of having to have a team leader level person there, you're able to have someone who's maybe at that squad leader level currently because you can go and you can fill in those gaps. If you were not going there, and this is something you and I have talked about on our coaching calls quite a bit is the necessity for you to go there on a weekly basis right now to really launch that market properly, to bring the value to the agents and that, you know, on that team to recruit while you're there, you know, so you're, and you're killing multiple birds with one stone, right? So you're, you're, you're there to support the team, but you're also recruiting on those trip, on those weekly trips. Uh, And again, to, to Brian's point, if you had to get on a plane to do that, chances are you just wouldn't. And I don't know that you can build and, and, somebody will prove me wrong and whatever. But I just, I have not seen anyone really be as amazing at building a remote expansion team that they have to fly to as, and and had the success with it, that you're already having with your team that you can just drive to.
0: I think the allure of, of starting that expansion team in a market that have to fly to is usually this kind of the same thing that made me expand to Milwaukee. Your aunt has her real estate license and she's always been a mediocre real estate agent, but you think, man, I could really help her and I could build something around her. And maybe you could, but what you are forgetting is the value that you as a team leader are bringing to your team, how much they are growing because of you. And when you take yourself out of the equation and all you have is somebody who somebody else who really Enjoys what you do, but maybe hasn't developed the leadership skill set yet. Why are you going three a three hour flight away when you know my my local market has roughly five hundred thousand people in it? Milwaukee has twenty six percent of the people that live in my state live in Milwaukee Metro. It's one and a half million people out of five point seven million in the state. The prices are higher. The people are all there. The inventory is there. The agents there have different issues than, than the agents in our market, but it's still relatable because I know where it is. I know I've been there. I understand the areas and they, they're getting that benefit from me that they were, that our Appleton Green Bay agents are getting from us here. So I just feel like your, your, you're being drawn to expand into a market that you have no idea about because you happen to know somebody who happens to have a real estate license as opposed to going and finding that person in markets that you do know, and you can take better care of.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You say that because I think as agents, I don't know. I don't know if you guys do this, Brian and Brandon, but I certainly do. I say, and I have to, I have to fight myself to not do this. But there are times when I feel like I just take on projects, right? Because I know I can help this person. And oh my gosh, I just, I know I can make this work. And I forget that, man, I got all this other stuff going on and dude, I might have to spend a lot of time with that particular person to, to get them productive, to make that, this situation work. And as I'm hearing you say this, I'm thinking about the lessons that that Brian and I have been learning through our experiences with expansion. And, and the importance of, you know, having that leadership in place. And and, and I I agree, I don't think there's any substitute for you, the team leader, right? I I just, you know, in Brian and Sheree and I, in our case, you know, I think, you know, really markets that we should be focusing on are markets that, you know, Brian can drive to, or I can drive to, or Sheree can drive to. um, So that, you know, and then we need to have that commitment level where we say, okay, well, I'll go do a meeting once a week in that market, you know, I'll do, I'll do the, you know, I'll spend a day a week in that market. Um, And I almost think, if you're not willing to do that, you know, it's going to be a much, a much steeper uphill battle. I don't know, Brian, what are your thoughts? So,
2: and so Brandon, I, and this is what I thought as you were talking. So the hybrid model that he kind of has, he basically has a, um, a squad leader. I, I want to say glorify that's not the right word, but just slightly above what I would call squad leader. I've got three of them on my team locally, but to hit to the point though is <clears throat> what i found is that, The branding can step in and answer every single question. Whereas again, if I'm trying to answer a contract question in the state of California, I'm licensed in Arkansas. I've never done a real estate transaction in California. I just don't know the answer to that question. So it really changes the person that I need. If you can stay, Basic. I don't. I don't know what the term we're going to call it. Hyper local, extreme local. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But mm-hmm. if you can stay within that certain radius where all the rules are exactly the same, then it's much much easier to expand because again, someone says, you know, how many days do you have before you, the inspections do? Well, I know that off the top of my head in California. How many days are before the inspections start? I don't know. So and and I'm not. I don't think it's good to to try and figure that out. I think that that is a different person that I need to have. So and again, a. Team team leader that is going to run my entire team in a state that I'm not even licensed in, I've got to pay that person more. I've got to have a, a person who's more dedicated than than that. It's a really hard person to find and it's a hard person to find for two reasons. First of all, the people who are super good at that stuff most of them are building their own teams and don't want you because they're like, I've already got all these systems and models in places. I don't need you. So really to find that person, you're looking for that potential person who you see who hasn't quite done it yet. And all they need is a little bit of guidance. And so, you know, it's, it's a really fine line to walk in. Again, if you don't learn anything else from this webinar, start local because Mm -hmm. you know, I was coaching an agent who was in a market who could expand like 10 times right around within an hour and a half. I mean, literally different cities there in Texas. So, you know, so much opportunity there. And to Brandon's point, he went from a market that was 500,000 to a market that was one and a half million. So you've got triple the opportunity there. You know, if you have the same market share in location A that you have in location B, you've got triple the business, you know, higher price points, you know, things that we haven't initially talked about. But, you know, you don't want to go into a market where the average sales price is $150,000 as an expansion team, I don't care how good the leader is. That is a real challenge, I mean, you know, so don't go backwards. You know, things you want to look at is leadership opportunities. You want to look at, um, you know, the, the people that you've got there. And then you need to look at, realistically, market saturation and price point. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if I, fu- if I close five transactions a-, a month, is that worth $20,000 to me? Is that worth $5,000 to me? So, at you know, got to do all that. And the beauty of it being local is you can figure that out
0: relatively quickly and relatively easily. Yeah, I I very much agree with kind of analyzing those price points because you, if you're in a, a, a market, that's already a 600 price point. Fine. If you want to expand into something that's going backwards then then do that because you can afford to do that. But the people that are in those 150 and $170,000 price points are looking for ways to expand out of them. So don't be the one who's expanding <laughs> into them. <Don't> go backwards. <laughs> grab The market share that they're like, you know what, this is too hard to profit. You also have to look at, you know, what are your primary lead sources and how do those convey into the new market? Is it something that's it? I've had very, very few things that we have done that we have had agents in one market say we love it and agents in the other market say it's it's not working here. But I know that if I start crossing straight line, uh, state lines, I'm going to get more of that. I'm also going to have to buy different systems. I'm going to have to buy additional what things can you can you just duplicate for no additional cost when you're expanding into a different market? And what things do you have to bring in a whole new? Do you need a new CRM because you're going into a new MLS? Or does your CRM allow you to add a, a second MLS spot into it and allow you to continue to do that?
2: And I think that's a really important thing to look at. So here's something that we found, for example, for a period of time, we were going to have an expansion team in Denver. And, you know, our main source of leads for expansion is Realtor.com. Well, guess what? I couldn't buy any. It wasn't that I wasn't willing to. It was literally I would send my account rep stuff for multiple states in Denver. How many got in Denver? None. So, you know, those are, that's a reality too. If you're going to go into a different market and you're, you know, you're a Zillow guy, a realtor.com guy, Ylopo, whatever, you know, Sync whatever it is that you're using, you better make sure that you can go in there and buy leads. If if that's your model, you know that's our model. We buy leads, we prospect. But ultimately, if I can't buy any leads, and that's how I'm, that's what I'm promising my team. You know, I need to do that research before I join the MLS and do all this other stuff. So, you know, definitely look at that. Just because you can buy leads in your local market doesn't mean that you can buy them in a different market. There's different demands and different price points of those leads too. So when you sit down and figure out ROI. You know, so you're paying $50 a lead in, in location A, and all of a sudden you're paying, you know, $95 a lead in location B. You know, the average sales price is the same. So right there, you you know, all those things are really important to look at to make sure that you're not just going, you know, headlong into something without having any opportunity to know what's going to happen.
1: Sounds like you're talking about running a business like an actual business. I, I, I think that's probably a good idea, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> It's funny, well, and I'm laughing because you know I, 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 a lot of people just don't think of that, but it's important. The other thing, and you guys kind of touched on this a little bit, and it really it's important. And I hope everybody that's li- that's watching right now listens very carefully to this. You guys, when you expand in, into another market, you got to remember to continue to do business in the market you're in, right? Because that market is feeding the other market. And for most of the people watching this, when you expand into your first area, you're going to lose some freaking money. It's, you're not going to go make money there instantly. You're going to have a period of time where you're feeding that with money out of your other market. It's really important to be a, a, aware of this. And it's really, really important that you continue to do a really good job with your t- local team, keep them inspired and motivated and help them be successful as well. Furthermore, another thing that I'm seeing that's working really well is when somebody starts in one market, right? So they start, it doesn't matter whether they start in market A. And that's where their team is. And they build this team. They do really well there. And then they say, okay, I'm going to go to another market and I'm just going to come back and visit market A. So I'm going to go move physically. I'm going to go live in market B, but I'm going to, I'm going to continue to go back and I'm going to visit market A once a week. That's actually really a lot easier than doing it the other way around. If you're willing to move, which most people aren't, but if you are willing to move, or maybe you're even desirous to move, that's a great way to do it for two reasons. Number one, because you've got the leadership in place where you were in market a to make up for you being gone you've got squad leaders in place you've got staff in place you've got all the people there that you need to keep things working well before you make that move to market b when you go into market b now you're there and it takes somebody with high energy and 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 that's really focused and game on to make that happen and to grow that market uh and who better than you so i don't know what do you think, guys? If you're I'm willing
0: sorry. to do it, yeah. I'm married and I've got kids in school. So it was never happening for me. But yeah, uh no, I think that's a how it would be easier to to make that leap. But I think you the, the more important uh, topic that you touched on there is don't try don't start a team if you're not if you don't have cash in the bank. Do not start anybody can go on to Fiverr and get that same three house logo made for five yeah. bucks but that does not make a team. You need resources. And that resource The I was having this conversation with my wife at lunch yesterday. I said, the, the biggest expense that we have for us as a team, for us as leads, because we do, we are a heavy, we buy a lot of leads. The second biggest expense, and I don't, I don't know if this ever even really occurred to her directly, but the second biggest expense of our team is me stepping out of production. Mm-hmm. And I had to do it to be able to have, to support the number of agents that we did. So if you think that you're going to start a team, or if you're going to start an expansion team with no money in the bank, thinking that you're going to start turning dollars day one, well, I got news for you. Even if you get three great agents who come on day one with all their cousins waiting to buy houses, you're still not making any money for 45 days. You're still losing money for six weeks. And that's probably going to continue for a little while. So if you're not prepared for that, it's... I thought about it like, uh, when I added, you know, radio advertising, I wasn't going to do it day one if I wasn't prepared to do it for a year. So mm-hmm. I made, I wrote in mentally, I wrote that $50,000 check and my market radio is cheap. I know in some of your markets that might get you a month. Yeah, I was going to say, I was at about 30 to 40. So Brian, you were going to say something. But I wouldn't do it if you weren't committed to doing it because you, you can't, you're dealing with people's lives and people's incomes and it's your job to support them and give them the systems. Michael and I have said this and talked about this quite a bit. It's our job to build the systems, to allow them to be successful. It's their job to become successful, put in the work. If you're not building the systems, you're not doing your part. And if you don't have the resources and the time, you're not doing your part. So
1: Well, you have all the control in the world over the one and almost none on the other. So go ahead, Brian.
2: Yeah, so I think to, to Brandon's point, and again, you know, unfortunately, there's no there's no free education that I'm aware of. I guess you can watch our webinars and get super smart, um, but uh, you know, all these things don't always impact you until they impact you directly. And understanding that, you know, radio, for example, I know that I that I ran radio ads for at least five months before I got a single phone call, you know, and it was like, wow. I was super excited. I'm like, hey, maybe maybe I can get my ROI positive. You know, still isn't quite there, but it's definitely something that's helping us. You know, expansion's kind of the same way. You know, you've got to understand that you're going to do that. You know, the things that I want people to look at is if they're looking at expansion, is which models are duplicatable. So for example, I use follow-up boss. So it's very easy for me to take follow-up Boss and you know give it to everybody on an expansion team. That works just fine. Again, I don't Know if that works with commissions, Inc. and FirePoint, and all these other per- I don't know. I, I don't use that. But, you know, again, I know that I can give them a CRM and I can turn that on instantly. So instead of spending an additional $500 a month, I, I don't have to worry about that. It's nice to have those things and understand the things that are 100% duplicable. Um, to your point earlier, Brandon, the most expensive thing that I've ever had to do in my business was step out of my business. So, you know, here's a comparison. I made in 2017 versus 2018, the first six months of the year, personal production, $120,000 less. And that, when I saw that number, it kind of choked me up a little bit. I was like, holy smokes, that's a lot of money. But at the end of the day, I couldn't build my team and, and sell 75 houses a year. Maybe there's people out there who can. I just didn't have the bandwidth or, or the the desire. I don't know. I can't. At the end of the day, sometimes you got to sleep. You know, sometimes you got to find th- things that work for you. So you know, understand that, and you know, listen to that number. If you're a person who's saying, "I'm going to step out of production," great. I think there's a lot of power in that. I think there's a lot of ability to build your business. But how does a hundred and twenty thousand dollars in, um, you know, GCI? decrease sound to you. No one's no one's excited about that. So, you know, and again, we've offset that by getting more agents and doing other things, but it's a real thing. And I want to say 95% of the agents I've ever talked to um, as starting in coaching, that's all their goal. And again, I'm not against it. I think it's great, but understand the impact and understand all the hard work you're going to have to do before you just say, you know what? I don't ever have to sell a house again.
0: So, you know, just keep that in mind. Two people too many people say that way not not too early way too early when when you are 75 percent of your team's production and you step out that that is way too early
1: it's a year from
2: for the first two and a half years that i had a team i personally outsold my entire team for the first two and a half years all of them And again, that's not to brag about that. It's just that that's the reality, and there takes a time to get that to where you've got agents who are up and running and and understand that real estate's an extremely simple business, but it's not an easy business.
0: I remember, um, and I bet you do as well. The first month that our office agents outsold me and Jenny. Oh my gosh, that was like I was I was never so happy to get beat by somebody. (laughs) Yep, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So in 27, 2018, I'm not the number one agent on my team. And that makes me so excited. Um, And, you know, I did, by the way. And, you know, here's something else. And I'm not sure if this is the road we're planning on going down, but I want people to think about this. It's important is would your team fall apart without your production, you know, and why do you want to get out of what are you doing that is more productive so for example i had a conversation with somebody one time they said hey somebody called me wanted me to list their four hundred thousand dollar house and i didn't want to do it and it was a past client so you know for me that's an hour's worth of my time it's a four hundred thousand dollar house that's twelve thousand dollars in commission for about three hours of work. So is there something else I'm doing that's making me four grand an hour? If so, by all means, go do it. But if not, maybe, maybe you go list that house. And I, and again, that's just a philosophy that I'm throwing out there to people because Again, with my system, I sign the paperwork, hand it over to my listing and marketing manager. The next time I have a conversation is either to do a price reduction or because we have an offer. So, you know, realistically, on the list side, if you've got all these systems in place, it only takes you an hour to list a house. And just something to consider if you're a person who wants to get out of production, don't give away the low-hanging fruit is kind of where I'm at on
0: that. It only takes you a small amount of your time, but what you are – And I I absolutely hate the analogy of real estate agents getting compared to doctors because they went to school for a whole lot longer than me. And most of them are a whole lot smarter than me, but what you are not paying them $800 for a short appointment for that piece of their time, what you're paying for them is all their experience and education so that you can trust them to put a needle in your arm, put it to sleep and then cut your veins open. And it's going to all come back together. Sure. I didn't learn that in 10 minutes and you didn't learn how to list that house in that three or you didn't get paid for that three hours. You got paid for the systems, the administrative people, the experience that you have, the knowledge that you have, the trust that that referral has in you personally. So I, I do agree. There is a time and I told our team I did about 40 sales last year. My goal this year was to do six. And the only reason the goal wasn't zero is because I think realistically there's going to be six times this year where I'm just like, all right. I'll go do it. Right.
2: And, and you know, and, and to me, that's you know, that doesn't mean that Brandon's out lead generating every day. What that means is his best friend called, his brother called, his a, a house that a guys he sold five different listings to called because he wants him to sell another house. Those are the easy things that we do, and you know, take advantage of that. That's that's great. And you know, I'll probably sell ten to fifteen houses this year. I'm not lead generating for those. That's my team's job. That's what they do, and I give them that, but. Ultimately, at the end of the day, yeah, I've got a house that's coming up again. I've sold the guy three three houses. He's moving to another state. I spent 15 minutes with him. The house will be on the market. You know, so those are the things I'm suggesting that you do to leverage yourself, because, again, that's worth somewhere in the range of two to three thousand dollars an hour for me. As soon as every task I can do makes me three thousand dollars an hour, I'll stop listing those easy houses.
1: Okay. So let's riddle me this. So Brandon, you're in Milwaukee now, in addition to Appleton, you have five agents in Milwaukee. Is that right? Correct. How did Correct. you
0: find more this, interviews Friday? this Friday? That? Five currently more interviews on Friday.
1: Okay. So how many interviews do we have on Friday?
0: Four interviews confirmed. So
1: fantastic.
0: Knowing what I know, two show up.
1: Yeah then that, that's okay that's all right because at least we know two will show up right so but what i want to what i want to key in on is a couple of things number one uh, are you using wise hire at all absolutely okay so you okay, are using number number analysis. one i'm running
0: four or five ads on wise hire at any given time
1: Love it. Okay. And that's good. And, and, and for you guys, WiseHire, for those of you that don't know this, WiseHire sponsors Club Wealth TV, uh, and we love them, right? Go to clubwealth.com forward slash WiseHire, or is it, maybe it might be wisehire.com forward slash Club I can't remember, but you get the discount there. And uh, at the end of the day, they're great, right? They do a really good job of, of helping to feed that pipeline on the front of the funnel. What Your five people that you've got in uh, in Milwaukee now, where did they come from? How did you find those five?
0: Uh, the one came in through wise hire and then eventually moved to Milwaukee. So that's kind of what started everything, Mm -hmm. but wise hire gets credit for, for that. Uh, second one that came on was also through wise hire. Okay. Third one that came on was through wise hire and the fourth and fifth one were our agents talking and letting other agents that they worked with know that there's an opportunity over here.
1: Okay. So this is good. I'm like, so I like where we're going with this. So, okay. So you've got a couple of different lead sources, right? It's just like in your real estate business, you got to have multiple lead sources. You cannot have one freaking lead source. Ideally you want to have a whole bunch of them. So, you you know, I don't need one lead source that gets me a thousand transactions a year. I need 500 lead sources that give me two transactions a year. Right. I want to have that diversity. Maybe that's a little extreme with it. a little bit, but you get the point, right? Like if I, I'd rather have 20 transactions bringing me 50 transactions or 20 lead sources bringing me 50 transactions a year each, because now I'm diversified. And when one dries up, the rest are still kicking off leads. Um, so in, this is the same thing in your, in your recruiting efforts. So with those ones that the agents brought in, what are you doing to incentivize those agents to bring people in? Are you paying them a whole bunch of money? Or are you doing, what, what are you doing?
0: I do actually pay our agents a referral on the first 10 transactions that somebody that they bring in does. Um, that happens for our brokerage, for our team in Appleton, our team in Milwaukee. That if, if you start the conversation for me and you think that they're a good fit, I think that's a really good referral because I don't think that it's not enough money that the agent is going to say, bring this person into my team if they don't like them. And so to me, it's, it's not only the agents helping me identify prospective new ads to the team, but it's helping them, helping me identify the right people to add to the team. Somebody that they like is, you know, I like them. So it's probably somebody I'm going to like. And, uh, we were, I was having this conversation with some string on Facebook the last few days. And do you hire everybody who interviews for your team or wants to I'm like? absolutely not I, I turn away way more people than I tell Michael about. <laughs> you, you turkey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so, Brandon, let's
2: talk about something in that same line, because this is one of the objections I've heard from a lot of team leaders is, well, my team doesn't want to recruit. So. Because they they feel like there's a, there's a scarcity mentality that sometimes comes with yeah. that, and I can tell you when I first had um, I had two agents on my team, and I when I brought that third agent on my team, one of the agents who's no longer with me, oddly enough, was like, "Wow, do you really want to bring another guy on? Because now what we're doing is we you know we have X number of leads, and we're you know we're not getting enough leads, we're not going to get enough support." And you know one of the things that I've spent ever since that happened is spent a lot of time explaining to our agents how beneficial it is for our team to be bigger because there are tons of benefits from that you know the reality is if you have two agents on your team and they're both out showing houses then you know you can't help each other if you got 15 20 25 there's always someone who's available to help the other people so you know you create leverage around these things and we have to give benefit to our agents for recruiting people. Otherwise, they go into that scarcity mentality of, hey, well, I don't I don't want that because more agents means less leads, that means less opportunities. It's actually not true because the truth of the matter is the more transactions we do, the more likely Comb Light sends me more leads now, Effective Agent sends me more leads now, zone sends me, anybody I sign up with goes, wow, you guys did you know, three, four, 500 transactions versus you guys did 10 transactions last year they're not excited about that. And there's not the synergy that's created. So if agents don't understand that on your team, make sure you're explaining to them it's not just the 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 money you're going to pay them, but it will literally help them if we work together. And that's, you know, how have you gone about that? Have you done similar things?
0: I, I absolutely agree because it's all sorts of different pieces that go into that. But they have to know um they have to know and trust that I'm never going to let the lead generation Just plateau and keep piling on agents. I'm not going to operate like that. There's always going to be an abundance when they get to the point where they are working all of the leads. They're claiming them as fast as they should be. They're calling them. They're going through their cycle of follow ups that they should be. Then I'm going to get more leads because they're going to make they're going to be closing more deals. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw more at that when they're getting to the point where they're only claiming a lead in three minutes and they're only calling it once the first day to me, that just says, well, there's too much there.
1: Time to hire more agents. They
0: can't keep up in the way that we want, but they know that my, I, I absolutely preach to them and I make it crystal clear that when I stepped out of production, my only purpose in my working life is to make them build systems for them to be successful. So anything that's contrary to that, I won't do it. If I figure out it's contrary to that, I'll stop doing it. And I'm going to continue to find new ways that I can help them improve their business. We're hiring a showing assistant for the team because we need people. We have people who are reaching out to our internal Facebook group saying, can somebody pick up this shift so that I can go and show these houses? Or can somebody go and show these houses so I can go to a home inspection? I'm like, guys, why don't we just get somebody with a license? who doesn't care to go out and show houses but make themselves available to everybody so that we have more opportunity because our agents are busy because we buy a lot of leads. And if anybody is out there, and well, there is going to be somebody out there right now thinking that's all they do is buy leads and that's how they make it all work. I am absolutely not against buying leads. Um, I think the real estate agents who think, oh, buying leads online is is dumb, it's bad business, it's I won't ever do it. There, it i run it like a business there's a cost of customer acquisition and there's a return on my investment when those things are in harmony and those things are working well together i'm going to keep doing it mcdonald's didn't just sell hamburgers to the people that they knew they advertised they sold them to everybody if you want to grow you got to advertise you got to pay to acquire customers so that's what we did and that's we do a lot of it Absolutely.
1: You know, one of the things, too, that you talk about, uh, and I'm sorry, Dan, uh, Coach Dan Balter just walked in. Take it out. Say hi to Dan. Woo! All right. So that said, um, you know, when you talk about growth and you talk about, okay, when we add more agents, what is that? How does that impact the other agents already on the team? One of the things that you guys didn't mention, and you mentioned a lot of great benefits from that, but one of the things you didn't mention that's huge is the market dominance right now everywhere you go you're seeing more of your signs you're involved in more transactions you're, you're 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 just you're all over that marketplace more than you were before and that attracts more business frankly signs are one of the biggest pieces of this right the more signs i got in the ground the more interest i have in my team and that doesn't just go for the yard sign that goes for like bandit signs it goes for di- directional arrows the whole nine yards but all of a sudden now I've gotten better momentum and the perception in the marketplace is that we are the ballers and that attracts people to our team, both in terms of clients and in terms of additional agents that want to join our team. So that momentum is really, really important. And it takes a while to get to that momentum. You've got to be at that 250 to 300 transactions a year mark before you even begin to start feeling it. But once you get there, it takes off. It's like a locomotive, right? It takes a little bit of time to get it going down the track. But once it is, it's got momentum. It's hard to stop.
0: I absolutely agree, and I think there are agents in in our structure. We have we have team leads, listing agents. We have buyers agents. Uh, we have transaction coordinators. So we have agents who are exclusively working with buyers. And I always just let them know: in your first year in real estate, or if you're an agent who's not producing at a high level on an average year, you're going to list two or three houses. I don't I don't care if that's at a hundred percent or if it, you find a brokerage that'll pay you two hundred percent. It's not enough money to live on. You're not going to find a brokerage who will pay you 200%. I don't you guys won't do that? Come on. no. <laughs> exactly. We're all going there. <laughs> but if you if you have 10 other agents on the team who all would have had two listings fall on their lap this year, well, then that's 20 listings that the team is advertising together, that the team is holding open, that the team is doing uh, massive Facebook advertising on coming soon listings, that the team is leveraging that for you. And in, in our case, we're paying them a referral on those leads, even though all they ever have to do is kind of give us a name. And we go and take care of everything else. And they're getting paid when the thing closes.
1: So
2: this is an interesting discussion to have. So I did something about uh, eight months ago. <clears throat> and the reason I did is I kept getting this conversation. Brandon, as a team leader, you probably get it too. Why can't I list houses? Why can't I list houses? Why can't I? And <clears throat> here's the thing. My philosophy is pretty simple. And I think Brandon said, so I want to reiterate it. When you work with buyers, you get really good at working with buyers. When you work just with sellers, you do all you get really good at working with sellers. So the last thing we want to do is take a $150 realtor.com lead, go show them a house, and then go give them a listing presentation from the same buyer's agent. That buyer agent screws that up, not because they're a bad person, but because they've done one listing presentation in the last six months. And now we are now that not only did we lose the listing but we lost the buyer because they thought now they think the agent's incompetent because their listing presentation
0: is horrible. That's an extreme example. But what we did is, but it it happens very true because the national association of realtors does their profile of home buyers and sellers. And they, they interview all these sellers and they say, how many real estate agents did you talk to before you pick something? The average is just a buzz over three. Mm -hmm. So for, for simplicity, let's say it's three. So let's say that the three agents are me, Brian Curtis and somebody who's had a license for eight minutes. Well, who's going to get the listing? It's either, going to, well, it's going to be me. Oh, if of Brian, if, if, if I have an off, off day, Brian's got a chance. <laughs> if, if needs, the agent who's only been on three listing appointments is really, and this isn't anything against that. We were all new at one point. We all did our first and we all screwed up our first opportunity at some point. Yes. But so, why do you want to do that when you can kind of tap in? The, the ringer and say, go get it. And you know, they're coming back 85% of the time with your listings and you're still getting paid.
2: Yeah. I can tell you, and this is not to pat myself on the back, but I got every in 2017 is the last time I've done this, but I got every single one of those that was referred by one of my listing agents to me in 2017. And that's not because I'm super awesome. It's because I'm good at the listing presentation and it's a really, really, really strong lead. So that's how important it is in my mind to send somebody who's who's good and you know, you've know you already got the credibility. So, and I'll say this though, this is the switch that we made to kind of compensate for the fact that I, I hear this over and over again. We let them list their spear now because to to somebody's point to me, but you said the reason that you didn't want me to do it is because I would lose the listing potentially. I'm not going to lose my mom. I'm not going to lose my brother. I'm not going to lose my best friend because they like me. So I let people list their sphere now. And it's really, it's been that that's that stopgap in between the, that complaint because to your point earlier if i'm going to go be a single agent i'm going to list two houses who are those people going to be they're going to be your mom and your brother or your best friend from high school or somebody you went to church with or whatever that's who you're listing anyway so i let them do that and i'm not saying you should but i can tell you it's been a pretty successful program for us and It works out pretty well because they use all of our systems. They just like me, when I take a listing, I hand it to my listing and marketing manager. That person handles everything from that point forward anyway. We're doing the same thing. So uh, that's what I'm doing out there. And, And it's really it's helped morale around listings. So.
1: So let's talk about this really quick because uh, I, I wanna come back to Corey's question. Corey Smallman had a question here a few minutes ago. He said, when do you know it's time to expand into a new market? Is it when an opportunity presents itself or after you have achieved significant market share in your existing market?
0: I would say you're gonna rely more on the latter part when, when the, well, I should say the former part. The opportunity needs to be there. I I think that's incredibly helpful, but it's also ties into if you have had very, if you've had significant success in your existing market, a couple of things should be the case. You should have some money set aside. If you're broke, you have not had significant success in your existing market. I know a lot of agents who sell a lot of homes and don't make any money because they spend a dollar to make a dollar and four cents. So if that's your system, Please don't go, online. <laughs> yeah, don't go duplicate that. But if you have if you have a running, well oiled machine, and you're like, you know what, I could step away and spend a little bit of attention on something else right now, and I've got the resources, the capital, so I need the time and the money to put into this.
1: Then it you might know, be and you, I, I, Brandon, I think what you just said really illustrates a very important point, which is that expanding into new markets. It, it it magnifies everything you're doing, whether good or bad, it magnifies it, right? So if you're making mistakes in your existing market, they're gonna be magnified in that next market. If you're doing well in your current market, they're gonna be magnified in the next market because you're not gonna do all the stuff that kind of just got, you know, kind of hung out there, right? All the stuff you've been doing just because it's kind of how you've been doing it. You're only gonna be doing the stuff that you know is successful. Uh, and so that, that being said, I think it's really important to your point I think you need to do both, right? I think the opportunity needs to be there, and you need to have the financial wherewithal, meaning you're successful enough in your own market, right? Let,
2: let me add add to that a little bit. So again, coaching someone, why I had someone who had a ten person team in a city of let's say two point five million, approximately, <laughs> they wanted to expand. I'm like, why on earth would you expand? You haven't even tapped what you've yeah. got yet. So, you know, if you're in a big market, I think right. if you've got at least a half a percent market share, you're probably at a good number. If you're in a small market like mine, you better be at least be at one percent before you start talking about expansion. You haven't even tapped the things. And again, in case everybody doesn't know this, and to Michael's point, everything is harder because you're further away. And. Right adding expenses that you're duplicating. And again, it doesn't mean it can't be profitable, but you know, start, you know, fishing the stock pond before you start going out and, you know, fishing someplace that you don't know where the good holes are. I mean, there's so many opportunities right there in front of you. Expansion is amazing and I'm all about it, but you got a four person team. You don't need to do expansion. You need to build that team, you know? So, uh,
1: yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've got a Todd Sandberg. I see just joined in as watching and uh, Todd, I don't know if you can hear me. I hope you hope you're listening right now, but uh, I see you being on here live. Uh, he's a good friend of mine in Seattle here. He owns uh, a bunch of chem franchises and uh, he's owned franchises in multiple states. And I would be willing to bet that Todd would agree with you that. It is a lot easier to what we call build from a center of strength, right? I look at when when I started, when I had my business, my local business in Seattle, right? When I was selling real estate in Seattle. I started off in Bonnie Lake and actually it was in Federway, And then I grew to Bonnie Lake and then I grew to Tacoma and then I grew to just north into Kent and Renton. And, and, and I just I started growing, but I was making leaps of five, 10, 15 minutes away, not an hour away or two hours away or five hours away. I eventually grew into those areas. And it was, a, it was a more affordable, it was easier, and it was natural. And that what that also allowed me to do is I had coverage, right? Because the other thing that happens is when you go into a new market, you all of a sudden start bringing in leads in that new market, and somebody's got to freaking service those leads. Well, when you get one agent in that new market and you start having success a little bit, you know, but you start getting these leads, you've you're got the systems and lead flow and all that in, in place – And all of a sudden, that one agent that you've got in that market decides that this is not the right fit for them, and they leave. Well, dude, you just spent a boatload of money on leads that now nobody's following up on. And so I would suggest that not only do you need to be really careful about what market you need to go into, but when you go into a market, the second you decide you're going to be in a market, you better get recruiting quickly because people are going to freaking leave your team. And so to, you know, to, to, the point earlier that was made, you know, get the leadership. And then as soon as you've got that, go hog wild, get people on that team and get them trained, make sure your systems are, are tight and uh, you know, hopefully you have some good success. All right, guys, we've got two minutes yeah. left, go ahead, Brian.
2: So I'll just piggyback that and that could be my final statement. Understand also that if you don't have the support in place for those people, they will not last.
0: That's because, right.
2: And you know, again, one and we've of
1: learned that the hard way.
2: Believe me, I have that which seems Damn. simplistic um, is not necessarily simplistic in expansion. So understand that you understand, need to know the cost of leads. Here's another mistake in it's anyone's lead. You will probably not be successful stri- simply buying pay-per-click leads in an expansion market. You need some good quality, either someone who's going to get listings so you can get signed calls or some sort of high-quality leads that people can follow up with and close in the first 90 days that they're on the team. Because if you're buying all pay-per-click that's all 6 to 18 months out, you're going to basically unemploy someone for 6 months they're not going to
1: last. Yep. Yeah. Brandon, final thoughts before you wrap up? I, I agree, by the way, Brian. Uh, just like real estate,
0: I'm sure most of the people listening to this at, or listening in the future are real estate agents. Just like real estate is hard. It is not for everybody. Being a team leader is hard. It is not for everybody. Just because it looks attractive doesn't mean that you can do it. And even if you get to the point where you're running a reasonable team, um, expansion is not for everybody. You have to be willing to put in the work. And I, I put some posts on one of the Club Wealth pages not that long ago about you're going to go broke picking the low-hanging fruit. If, if all you want is those easy deals and you want to you make your whole career off of that, it's not going to work. you got to put in the time and you got to put in the money or it's, you're not going to have the success. So I think that was a great question somebody posed earlier. How do you know when it's time? You need those resources. And I think the most important resource you need is your own time.
1: I yeah, fully agree. I love it. You know what? And there's no substitute for it, especially when you're building an expansion market. Guys, seriously, great conversation. Really appreciate your time today, both of you, uh, and the lessons learned. And I'll tell you, you guys, for those of you that haven't considered expanding already, you should be considering. If you're a team leader right now, you should at least be considering it. Have the conversation with your coach. Don't do it until you and your coach agree that it's the right time and that you're the right person to make it happen. That said, really appreciate today's conversation. Everybody, have an awesome day. Remember, go to clubwealth.com forward slash TV, subscribe to our podcast there. These conversations that we have on Club Wealth TV Live get transcribed into a podcast so you can listen to the audio and you can see some written comments on there as well have an awesome day and remember you guys at the end of the day there's a world-class beast just dying to get out you got to choose to unleash that beast so go do something at a world-class level today have a great day everybody